Hey everybody, welcome along to another episode of Magical Numbers. And today, uh, we're going to touch on the slightly risky subject of panic buying. It's particularly relevant at the moment because here we are in March 2020, and the news stations are full of talk about the progression of COVID-19. Running a successful business isn't about being clever. It's about making good decisions to improve your important numbers. Matthew Day's been helping business owners like you get better numbers with advice, systems and data since 2004. If you want magical numbers, listen to Matthew. If you want them faster, visit matthewday.com forward slash faster. Here's Matthew. Uh, As a result of this widespread, uh, I'm not going to say hysteria, but the repeated and continued focus on it through media outlets, that it's now getting into the psyche of the wider population about the potential impact of this, uh, this potentially quite nasty virus, and is causing people to make some buying decisions that they wouldn't ordinarily make. And I'm particularly referring to things like going out and mass buying toilet rolls and pasta when it's clear at the moment the advice that is being uh, given by both governments and uh, through the media organisations is that it's likely that if there is any sort of self-isolation that somebody needs to uh, undertake, that it's likely only to be one or two weeks. But here we find situations where people are mass buying buying up shop loads of uh, loo roll and uh, pasta and other long life items that they can survive on for a long period of time. Now, whether or not those decisions are rational or not, uh, they are certainly playing into certain organisations' pricing and where that pricing is being driven by supply and demand. So where there is a low supply or there is a restricted or limited supply of a particular product and a high demand what tends to happen is that the price of those products go up now there's again lots of chat going on around this about whether businesses are uh, being ethical and um, whether they're being ruthless by overcharging for particular products and profiteering from the situation that the wider population find themselves in well, this situation of sort of ruthless profiteering, it's uh, its a difficult one to nail, actually, because where do you draw the line about supply and demand? When does your business become a ruthless profiteer versus uh, simply selling products at a price uh, that the market will pay? Because if you were to put the price of your products up and people can still continue to buy then you're responding to the market's ability, maybe not desire, but their ability to pay your increased price. Now, I'm not suggesting for one moment at all that it is okay to turn the price of a, you know, one pound or one dollar hand sanitizer to 150 pounds or 150 dollars and not think that there might be some impact on your business or some questions being asked about your business about whether or not that's an ethical thing to do. But I think it does turn into an ethical decision uh, because this whole supply and demand, particularly in the medical marketplace, is not uncommon. If we think about the pharmaceutical industry, 
pharmaceuticals invest an awful lot of time, effort and money in researching and coming up with amazing new drugs. But the effect that those drugs have and the quality of life that they are able to allow people to sustain is directly linked to the price of that product. So if they develop a product that, and a medicine or a procedure uh, that has the scope to lengthen a person's life who is ill or can massively improve the quality of that person's life, then the price that that pharmaceutical is going to charge for that is going to be significantly higher than perhaps a drug or a procedure that doesn't have quite the same amount of effect. And if we stay in the pharmaceutical sector, you know, certainly here in the UK, the NHS, our National Health Service, has got a, a clinical excellence group that decides whether or not a particular drug will be purchased by the NHS, or not will be, but can be purchased by the NHS, by assessing the price of that drug against the effect that it will have uh, on its uh, recipient's life. And if NICE decides that the pharmaceutical company is charging too much or or the benefit that the recipient has, and that could be, you know, the length of time that that person continues to live, if the price of that is too high and they define what is too high, then they won't buy the drug. But if they feel that the price is reasonable, then they will buy that drug. And this is very much a supply and demand where it is this National Institute of Clinical Excellence, NICE, uh, that works for the NHS, that is making these decisions for us, the beneficiaries of, of the NHS. So they are in the middle and they are brokering the price of these products with the pharmaceuticals. But let's not be shy of the fact that this is very much a supply and demand situation. And it could well be argued that in certain situations, the pharmaceuticals themselves are ruthlessly profiteering because they know that their product will save lives because it's proven. They've researched it. It's gone through all the clinical trials. They have a drug that will save lives. And it's just a question of how much money can they get for the benefit that the person who takes that drug is going to have. Now, the scenario that we find ourselves in at the moment with this COVID-19 is that there are some businesses that perhaps aren't ordinarily in that level of supply and demand and negotiation situation and find themselves very much at the front end with the consumer and the purchasing power of the consumer rather than through this middleman that pharmaceuticals have with the NHS uh, with NICE. And it's very easy for there to be an emotive reaction by consumers when they see the price of a product goes up from £1 or $1 to £150 or $150 for the same product simply because of a situation that they feel that they have not chosen to put themselves in. So they are reacting to a situation that media companies are telling them that they need to be worried about. So with repetitions in the press, on social media and on the television, that you, know, you could be being put into a quarantine or into a an isolation situation that people feel like they don't have a choice and they want to protect themselves as much as they possibly can. So this idea of what should businesses do and what's you know the commercial reality of a free market is that it is driven by supply and demand. If there is increased demand, could you put your prices up? Should you put your prices up? 
in order to, quote, profiteer from the situation when we know that that is already happening. And I think what it boils down to is ethics. And as the type of organisation that you are, looking at the situation of your buyers, do you feel comfortable when you think about the actions that you are undertaking? So if you perhaps increased slightly the price of the product rather than uh, massively, would you feel that that's a more ethical thing to do than to charge the maximum possible amount? And also bear in mind that these sort of situations that are being generated by something like COVID-19 are perhaps short term. And what is the long-term impact that there could be on your organisation by taking a very short-term approach in trying to maximise the revenues and the profits that you might be getting from a small number of products in a short period of time. Because if over the course of the next couple of weeks, uh, the medium or long-term outlook for this virus uh, improves, and uh, then there could be reputational damage for your organisation if you have behaved in a way that the market believes to be ruthless or profiteering. And perhaps one of the things it could be thinking about is, you know, demand generation yourself. At the moment, this scenario, this demand is being generated through an external force that you can't control. And if your business uh, wants to become stable and have long-term growth, then it needs to deliver on its own demand generation. So you need to be undertaking or considering undertaking activities that are going to generate your own demand. So you can turn on and turn off the tap of that demand based upon the supply that you have. So it might be the situation where you're in a competitive marketplace and you have oversupplied or you have got too much of a particular product and you need to generate demand in order to shift some of that product. Or it could be that you're in a niche marketplace and you have a very limited edition um, of a product and and you need to generate a bit of demand because you're only going to sell one of these products. So you're being able to control supply and demand through your own um, activities. And often they are marketing-related activities, so things like um, advertising and word of mouth and social media activity generating a demand for your brand, for your product, for your service is, is going to give you much greater longer-term benefits than a one-off profiteering exercise that you might have through a situation that people feel uncomfortable that they're in and therefore feel that ethically you're not doing the right thing. So if you are a business that is supplying into um, a stressed or distressed marketplace based on a situation that they find themselves in, just think about that medium and long-term impact that it might be having on your brand. And also think about how you might be able to generate some demand yourself for your products and services, perhaps for a wider range of products and services to get repeat buying customers from you who want to buy from you, who love you, and who want to talk really positively about your brand through your own demand generation. And that all feeds into your statistics and your KPIs that you track in your business around, for example, the number of leads that you're generating, the number of... Uh, inquiries that you're generating to your business on a daily or weekly or monthly basis and how many of those you're converting into customers. At the moment, you might be finding that you've got lots of leads, lots of prospects coming to your business, lots of buyers coming through. But are they going to be long-term buyers? Are they going to be repeat buyers? Or are they just going to buy one product and then never, ever 
want to buy from you again because they feel ripped off. They feel that you've been ruthlessly taking advantage of the situation. I hope that you haven't been ruthlessly taking advantage of the situation and that you are looking at putting in place demand generation activities. And that's, you know, that's often things like advertising. It's things uh, like promoting the product and services and brand. And, and being able to generate a reliable stream of new leads into your business. Because ultimately, that's what, as business owners, we all desire. We all need new blood coming into the business. We need new customers. And they only come as a result of uh, new inquiries that come into the business. And the more that you can control and manage and uh, create yourself a lead generation system or a demand generation system, that uh, you have control over rather than controlled by external forces, then the more likely you are to be able to scale and grow your business. And certainly, if you are thinking about um, exiting your business at some point over the next few months or few years, generating a reliable stream of new leads that are not massively influenced by external forces or only being forced to come to you as a result of external forces, is going to significantly and substantially increase the value of your business and your ultimate exit potential. Anyway, I hope you found that useful and I look forward to catching up with you on another Magical Numbers podcast very soon. Bye for now. If you want magical numbers, listen to Matthew. If you want them faster, visit matthewday.com forward slash faster.